Photo Shelter presents Vision Slightly Blurred. I'm Sarah Jacobs. And I'm Alan Murbayashi. Alan, we are still recording remote, but we are in the same city, New York, for the first time in like over a year. You, you've moved back. Yes, welcome back, Alan. Thank you. Uh, How's it, it feel? feels great to be back. Uh, I loved walking down the streets. Of course, all of these outdoor spaces for the restaurants are there that weren't there before. There's a lot more bike paths that weren't there before. So I was riding my city bike today, uh, going around the city, running errands. Uh, it's great to be back and hopefully things will stay stable. But, yeah. Uh, you yeah. Know, in my apartment, got all my lighting equipment again. I'm excited. <laughs> Good. We're excited too. First of all, uh, Vice reported that photographer and professional long-haul truck driver Ryan Shirosky has reportedly been scamming his Instagram followers since around 2018 with print sales that go unfulfilled. He basically is ghosting his customers. I've been following Ryan's work for a few years now. He is a School of Visual Arts grad who makes beautiful work. His work is like this like dusty golden images of the American landscape that he captures while he's driving, you know, his massive semi truck across the country. Um, he also manipulates the sky sometimes for this sort of like technicolored pink. And it's really this like perfect Insta art color palette. His work is really strong and he has 61,000 followers. His work has been seen in the New Yorker, the New York times, Time Magazine, Vogue, W, and others. And this bubbled up because his followers, who had purchased prints during his many print sales, began publicly shaming Ryan on their own Instagrams, you know, being like, hey, where is my print? (laughs) And then within the comments, other people were like, hey, wait, I ordered a print from that guy and I never got it. The print sales were generally around $120, and customers would pay via Zelle or QuickPay or Cash App, um, or they would pay to a third-party person via PayPal to this person that was Ryan's friend. There are so many layers to this story. Vice does a really good job unpacking everything that happened, and they actually interview Ryan as well about, hey, man, what are you doing to your followers, and why do you continue to have print sales? It's a wild story. Yeah, you know, uh, there's all of this raised awareness about mental health issues, which I'm totally sympathetic to. But this guy was collecting money. So Mm. it's not like he just didn't come to work or, you know, he blew off a friend for dinner. He was collecting money. He defrauded these buyers. It took months to either deliver prints or to refund people, if ever. And he continues to have print sales because, according to this article, he's trying to cover his debt. What, yeah. What I don't fundamentally understand is why, you know, he, he could have easily automated all of the print sales. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, I'm not trying to sell photo shelter, but I'm just saying, you know, there, there, are, <laughs> there are mechanisms to automate all your print sales so that you never have to deal with fulfillment. And the fact yeah. that he, you know, decided to put up print sale after print sale with his images, um, it's just like I don't have a lot of sympathy for the guy. I got to be honest. And I don't really like his work personally. <gasps> personally. Oh, yeah. oh. It's a little bit too <laughs> technicolor for me. Yeah, I see. I see. 
I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned about, you know, the mental health awareness. The The thing is that Ryan did tell many of his followers and his customers, you know, I'm just having a hard time right now. Um, I can't fulfill the order. X, Y, Z has happened, et cetera. Um, and he tells Vice basically that he didn't properly calculate the cost of shipping and that he was disorganized in the handling of the sale and that using Instagram to sell actually, quote, completely backfired for him because it became impossible to keep up with. And while I can understand kind of all of those things, why are you continuing to have sales, you know? <laughs> if you haven't fulfilled the orders from your very first sale back in like 2018 or so, then you got to stop. You, you got to stop having the print sales, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's one thing like, oh, my life is really crazy right now. Okay. Two months, three months, four months. The guy, the guy didn't return people's money for months and months and months, if not years, you know, because this seemed to be happening for several years. Uh, I, I, again, I just don't have a whole lot of sympathy for the guy. He, he compounded his own misery. And then to sort of blame it on the success of the print sales, like what did you expect when you had a print mm -hmm. sale in the first place? Like you wanted limited success? Like yeah. that's how you were going to fulfill your your <laughs> obligations to your buyers. It's just really, really lame and sad, in my opinion. You know, he uh, Instagram shut down his account for a little while. They didn't really reveal in the article, um, nor disclose in the article, why Instagram shut it down. They they reached out to Instagram. Instagram obviously didn't respond to that. Uh, but his his account is still up. You know, he doesn't have any active sales, but he posted uh, four days ago. So the guy's yeah. still doing something, still being a photographer and a trucker, despite all he said about, you know, not wanting to be a photographer anymore in this Vice mm. article. Yeah. Well, he's got, he feels like he has to feed the machine, this 61,000 followers. Listen, I have a lot of sympathy for Simone Biles. I have zero sympathy for this guy. <laughs> Ryan Shirosky. Yeah, you can't compare That's all the I'm two, saying. but I understand what you mean. <laughs> I'm all about the goat. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. There was a, uh, a neat article in the Washington Post about the social documentary photographer Ken Light, who is also the Riva and David Logan Professor of Photojournalism at UC Berkeley uh, Graduate School of Journalism. He's had a teaching position at Berkeley since 1983. This particular article was uh, about a project that became a book. Um, and in his description, he says he wanted to document uh, the, an empire in decline. So for the past 10 years, he's gone around the country, uh, and the book is called Course of an Empire. Now, before we talk about this particular book, I should point out, during the 2004 presidential campaign, he was the victim of a Photoshop scandal because a oh. photo that he took of John Kerry in 1971 was doctored to insert Jane Fonda into that photo. Jane Fonda was not with John <laughs> Kerry at that event in 1971. GOP operatives had created the composite to try to discredit Kerry at the time. And so that's just a little side note that I thought was fascinating. What? The putting, okay, wait, pause. Putting <laughs> Jane Fonda into your photo would actually propel, I think, your popularity. So that, I'm confused about all of that. But I, in 2004, I was, I was not paying as much attention. I was young, <laughs> I was a teen. <laughs> well, she was a, she was a staunch anti-war activist. And, and so I guess right. the thought was back then, you know, people who had significant influence voting age in their 50s were likely to be turned off by the Jane Fonda Association. So got they were it, going for it. something back then. 
Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Insofar as this project is concerned, the Washington Post article, which we'll link to at our blog at blog.photoshelter.com, has a number of his photos from the book. They're, they're lovely. They're fantastic photos. Um, he, he's such a strong photojournalist, and he clearly has done his homework going around. The one thing I will say as just a slight counterpoint is that he's editing in such a way to tell a story. And if you want to go out at any point during this, the history of the United States, whether it was at the you know, decline of the empire or the rise of the empire, if you will, you'll always be able to find poor people. You'll always be able to find rich people. So I guess the caution would be, you know, you always got to put on your critical thinking hat, you know, read the descriptions and the captions and don't take the, the photos at face value. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. I, I think with this body of work, it's really important to have the right edit. Um, and I think, I think the Washington Post did a good job in terms of editing for this particular um, article. Um, but I, I could see, if you were to just see maybe one or two of these images from, from the series, it might you might feel like this is perpetuating a negative stereotype of people that might not necessarily be true. So I feel like, yeah, everything, it, it needs to be with, shown within context, this, this particular body of work. Um, also, man, what a great name for a photographer, Ken Light. Like, he really <laughs> looked out there. <laughs> you know, he writes in the Washington Post article, Americans now know firsthand that democracies are living organisms more fragile than we realize. They require regular care and feeding. We've certainly tested the limits of ours. Have we pushed America beyond repair? As a social documentarian, I think he comes at it with a bit of a negative point of view, no Mm -hmm. doubt. Um, I think, you know, while he was working on the book, he saw the the Trump presidency. He saw the the divide of the haves and the have-nots. He saw, you know, some big economic pullbacks. So it's not without evidence to be presenting uh, the United States as an empire in decline. And I think a lot, of, a lot of people felt that way in the past few years. But, you know, to the extent that an image of, say, a, a black person in poverty is perpetuating a negative stereotype, I think there's a lot of more sensitivity around uh, reliance on stereotypes, but at the same time, there is a certain reality that's happening with black and brown populations and inequities with income and power structures in the United States that have to be captured in a way, in, in a single frame. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, there's no way of getting around that. It's not a movie, it's a single frame. So complex topic, but wonderful photography by uh, the professor, Ken Light. I was uh, on Twitter and I came across a tweet by a PhD researcher named Colina Koltai. She specializes in anti-vaccine movement. And she posted a photo uh, of the filmmaker, musician, activist Brie Newsom. That was from 2015, taking down the Confederate flag from the South Carolina State House. Newsom had climbed up a flagpole to do that. Koltai posted this image. Uh, an image taken by Reuters photographer Adam Anderson, and Twitter took it down for being offensive. They said that the post violated their rules against posting hateful imagery because it was a Confederate flag. Now, not clear to me whether it was artificial intelligence that moderated this or whether it was a person who just saw the Confederate flag and said, 
we got to take it down. It was another example where the social media content moderation kind of overstepped the bounds and took down a photo without really understanding what the context of the image was. Uh, what was your reaction to this tweet? Yeah, I, I'm curious how this got flagged, because I think that that is important to the story. Did a fellow um, Twitter follower report her profile? It was her header image on Twitter for, since she says, since she signed up for Twitter. Um, so why now? What was the issue? Um, and who, who flagged it? I think are all important questions here. She reposted the photo and used a, you know, a pen tool to blot out the Confederate flag, and it wasn't blocked. Um, it, it isn't the first example that we've seen of social media moderation gone awry. Back in 2016, Nick Utt's Napalm Girl was taken down by Facebook. And in that case, it was taken down by human moderators, not the AI. Uh, so that was interesting to, you know, they're, they're seeing just a naked girl and, and deciding... Uh, that it should come down because maybe it's child pornography. And, and again, it's, it's sort of a lack of understanding of history, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, if the content moderator is sitting in some other country and knows nothing about the Vietnam War, maybe it isn't unreasonable. Uh, but if you're doing content moderation for U.S.-based posts, maybe you ought to reconsider where you put your workforce. I did come across an article in Time magazine written by Roger McNamee, who's a pretty famous uh, venture capitalist and investor. And he said, moderation won't fix social media's big problems. He says, too many policymakers and journalists behave as if internet platforms will eventually reduce the harm from targeted harassment, disinformation, and conspiracies through content moderation. There are three reasons why it will not do so, scale, latency, and intent. He goes on to describe with some examples of these three reasons. He goes further to write, at present, platforms have no liability for the harms caused by their business model. Their algorithms will continue to amplify harmful content until there is an economic incentive to do otherwise. His main point is, you know, they they will allow content to go up prior to moderation, even if their system can flag it, because they don't Mm. want to slow down the rate of interest in their platform. Um, and there's no f- penalty for doing so in terms of a fine or, you know, being thrown in jail. So they continue right. to do that. I mean, And it all comes back to ad dollars. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. You know, on the one hand, I, I feel for like the content moderators who have this problem of trying to determine whether, you know, in two seconds, whether an image should go or not go. Mm-hmm. Plus the fact that they have to see all this horrible stuff. You know, we've talked about these content moderators in the past. Oh, yeah, tough job. Yeah, murder Mm -hmm. and suicide and terrible, you know, terrible things. Um, But on the other hand, yeah, you know, what what can be done about this? I think there needs to be some penalties. Got to put in the economic incentives. Otherwise, they're never going to do anything about it. Yeah. The Olympics kicked off in Tokyo on July 23rd, and the photo coverage is, as always, phenomenal. Um, In news outlets and on social, we're seeing some incredible um, expressive faces of athletes, basically defying human nature, artistic takes with a lot of like slow shutter images. I'm seeing that on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, And even some Twitter beef between China and Reuters. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you found an incredible photo by the Irish oh. photographer Brian Keane. Yes. And it is a yes. multiple exposure of Simone Biles in a spin. And I guess it was just like a training, a training run. Um, yeah. 
And wow, that image, which we'll, again, we'll link to it on our blog at blog.photoshelter.com, but everyone's got to see that image. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. I feel like this year we've talked a lot about Irish photographers. They're just like killing it this year. <laughs> I don't know what's, what's going on over there. But um, yeah, Brian was, is there at the Olympics, um, you know, to photograph mostly European teams, et cetera. But he was in the press room and heard that the American gymnast team were doing their rotations. And so he just sort of figured, oh, maybe I can get something good. And he focused his lens kind of like up higher than he normally would so that he could capture the bodies while they were up against kind of a more dark black space of the ceiling. And the image he got of Simone, she's in like a perfect circle. You get to see her facial expression four different times within a single shot. Yeah. Um, and you just with you can it helps you maybe a little bit understand just I don't know just the the force of her body. <laughs> yeah, and her feet are together and pointed, and the intensity of the concentration on her face. Um, and he really just composed it. You know, there's a Newsweek article that that accompanies this image where he explains how he did a couple of test shots and other gymnasts to to get the framing correct, and it's just a marvelous uh, uh, example of taking some chances and having the experience to actually execute it uh, when it happens in front of you. Just fantastic yeah. work. He told Newsweek that he firmly believes that this might be the best photo that he'll ever take. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, he's at the Olympics. Why not? Go for the gold, yeah. right? Yep. Congratulations, Brian. <laughs> Jeremy Berkowitz, who also runs the social media accounts for Photo Shelter, also put together a cool little compilation on the Photo Shelter blog called Going for Gold, sports photographers tweet photos from the Tokyo Olympics. And he has a whole slew of different photographers capturing a bunch of different activities. I have to always wonder, you know, the photographers are, are in some cases literally the only people in, in these venues because there's mm -hmm. no audiences due to COVID. Uh, and they're not allowed to clap, you know, because or shout or anything because they're neutral <laughs> journalists. I mean, all you hear is the clatter of the of the cameras, or in a lot of cases, they're using mirrorless cameras, so you don't hear anything. Oh, it, man. it must be really disconcerting as an athlete. I don't know. Yeah. Yes, and as a photographer. I'm sure they're like, <laughs> this feels so foreign and strange. Lindsay Wasson uh, of Reuters has been photographing some really beautiful slow shutter Olympic coverage of the uh, trampoline team. And the sequence on their on their leotards, um, just make the photo look beautiful, sparkle. The slow shutter just makes it look very artful. It's a cool approach. I think that the vertical slow shutters where the athlete is moving up and down and where she's kind of panning her camera up and down are more effective for my eye. But it, mm. to, to your point, I think that the, the glitter, when the, when the leotard seems like it's still and the arms are um, slow, moving because of the shutter, it looks really, really cool. It does. I, I experimented with this uh, when I was back in Hawaii with surfing photos. And, you know, it's, it's a hit or miss proposition. Uh, you know, you try to set your shutter speed based on what you think uh, will be optimal for the, the athlete. But on one move, their arms will move at a certain rate. And in another move, their arms will move slower or faster. And so the shutter speed isn't always necessarily the correct one. And so you just have to keep shooting. And, and she did a wonderful job with those. Definitely. 
You want to explain what's going on between China and Reuters? Yeah, you know, there's a an article in the New York Times a few weeks ago talking about how China's social media presence had become a lot more aggressive. Um, you know, they used to play a really diplomatic take on Twitter, not trying to antagonize anyone. And uh, there's one politician who started um, being really aggressive in his tweets, and I think that's probably rubbed off on some of the the other. Uh, ambassadors around the world. In this Um, case, Reuters had posted a photo of a Chinese female weightlifter who won the gold at the 49 kilogram uh, weight class. And they posted a photo of this weightlifter kind of mid lift. And so her hair is kind of thrown up. She has this face of like exertion because she's Mm -hmm. lifting a ton of weight. Yeah. And the Chinese embassy in Sri Lanka says, among all the photos of the games, Reuters has chosen this one, which only shows how ugly they are. Now, other people pointed mm. out that, in fact, this is a move, right, in powerlifting. And there's a lot of images of other athletes, men in particular, where they have similar uh, poses and faces of exertion, which I guess in some cases could look, quote, ugly. But, you know, a lot of people are saying, eh, it's not ugly. That's like... What happens when you try to lift, you know, right. twice your body weight or whatever it was? Yeah. Um, but yeah. they kept they, I mean, this this Chinese embassy uh, social media person kept leaning into the the narrative that Western media organizations uh, quote are caught unfairly targeting China during the Tokyo 2020 Olympics coverage, prompting condemnation mm. from Chinese netizens and embassies. I don't, I, I don't know how you would take a flatter. They're the ones that use the word ugly first. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and, and <laughs> it's just there's another uh, person named Matt Knight on Twitter who points out that a Chinese news outlet, chinadaily.com.cn, also used a similar photo that could be construed as being unflattering uh, mm-hmm. on their, as their cover image for the article indicating that she, w- she won the, the gold medal. Um, which they promptly <laughs> removed, which they switched out. Oh, right, so, right. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know. I think they should just focus on the fact that she got the gold. Yeah. And you can't you can't be thinking about the way you're looking while you're lifting that much. <laughs> I know you can't escape the, the, the politics and sports overlap in a lot of cases. And, of course, the United States has a, has a history of, of athletes uh, protesting in various forms against uh, injustice, perceived injustice. So I'm not going to say that uh, the Olympics should be free of political discussions, but, you know, she won the gold. Let's celebrate it. Who cares what the Mm. photo is? Totally. I agree. And lastly, on Twitter, as I was packing up to move back to New York, I came across the funniest post in the world. Uh, The account is Greg KB, and it says, Some people think New York is a cold, hard city. Couldn't be further from the truth. Some nice person from the finance department took a picture of me riding my motorcycle and then was kind enough to mail me a copy. Thanks, finance department friend. And, of course, it's a traffic violation image uh, indicating that he needs to pay a fine. But I thought that was just the right amount of New York snark uh, and humor and everything that I love about New York. Great tweet, Greg <laughs> KB. Yeah, we should note that Greg is a photo editor at the New York Times. 
He so. is indeed, and I'm following him. That's probably why he showed up in my uh, Twitter <laughs> feed there. Okay, well, Greg KB, awesome photo, good editing, whatever you did. <laughs> Love it. We survived our first in New York City recording, even though we're continued to be in different locations. But it's still remote. We're still going remote strong. But we're in the, f- the same time zone for this first time in a, a year and a half. Pretty cool, Pretty cool, Alan. Pretty cool. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Now that you're here, why don't you hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating and a comment. It really helps us grow our audience. You can always tweet at us at PhotoShelter to leave us other suggestions or ideas that you have for the podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. PhotoShelter is the online leader for photography websites and workflow tools. Archive, distribute, and sell your photos in a mobile-friendly, responsive website. Try one free for 14 days at photoshelter.com slash podcast. Then download one of our free educational guides at photoshelter.com slash resources.